This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, and welcome to Green Talk, a podcast series from GreenLivingIdeas.com. Green Talk helps listeners in their efforts to lead more eco-friendly lifestyles through interviews with top vendors, authors, and experts from around the world. We discuss the critical issues facing the global environment today, as well as the technologies, products, and practices that you can employ to go greener in every area of your life. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for listening in today on Green Talk Radio. This is Sean Daly, Green Living Ideas Editor-in-Chief, and today I am very happy to have with me a good friend and doctor of naturopathic medicine, Elizabeth Large, N.D. Elizabeth, welcome. Thanks for having me on today, Sean. You bet. Well, and I forgot to mention also your company is called uh, Luna Medicine. Right. Uh, lunamedicine.com. And I'll just tell a little short story about uh, how, how you and I met and um, came to know one another uh, was originally you and my wife were in, in a group together. And... So she had mentioned to me that she knew this naturopathic friend, and I didn't know a lot about naturopathic medicine at the time. And I was really fascinated by what she was telling me, what you were sharing uh, with this particular group uh, of women with different practitioners from different areas. And um, so I was fascinated. And so, she, you know, at, at some point, uh, we were under the care of a different doctor, more, well, a traditional MD with also a homeopathic doctor. So I was kind of interested to see the difference in there was something that we just we couldn't lick. I remember it was a wintertime uh, ailment of some kind, and I remember that Stephanie said, well, Elizabeth says we need to do this, and we did whatever it was, and it was like after trying everything else and instantly cured of whatever I think it was my daughter uh, had. And so I was, I was a belie- true believer at that point, but I have to admit to not really understanding a lot about all the principles of naturopathic medicine. I know it has to do with natural living and, and sort of um, letting the body heal itself in a lot of ways and you know, doing sort of the minimum in, involving nature, but without stealing your thunder, why don't, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your background and uh, the basics of naturopathic medicine? Okay, I'd be happy to. Well, there's not many of us, so most people actually don't know what a naturopath is. There's only four schools in the country, so there's not there's not many naturopaths being put out every year. But basically, uh, in a nutshell, we're pretty similar to medical doctors in our training. We we do the same sciences. We study our first two two years are pretty similar. And then where we differ is in our therapeutic tools, uh, whereas an MD is going to pretty much study all pharmaceuticals. We learn diet, uh, nutritional therapy with supplements, homeopathy. Some schools learn Chinese medicine. Uh, Some people may opt to practice some manipulative um, therapy, such as chiropractic, um, and then herbs. Oh, interesting. So, so those are sort of sub-disciplines. Like, I didn't realize that there was any connection between, for example, homeopathy or chiropractor or things like that. So you can sort of take that as, a, as it were as sort of a, a sub-specialization within your naturopathic practice? Yeah, so, you, so every naturopath is going to practice differently. And that's what kind of makes us interesting and also confusing at the same time. <laughs> okay. Um, so everyone has something that they resonate and for me, I love nutrition, and I love the herbs and the Chinese herbs, and that's a lot. I don't do any manipulation in my practice. 
for is you might get someone who does something totally different. We also are trained in doing IV medicine, and so some people are more high-tech and will say do injections and IV medicine in their clinic. Mm -hmm. So we're very eclectic, and um, so I think that's what makes it hard to pinpoint what we do, because we're so different that way. Interesting. But what, what's the baseline? I mean, what, what, what do you all have in common, if you had to point to you know, one thing? So we all come from a place of wanting to treat the cause and wanting to use the most non-invasive medicines. The more, the more natural, the better. So the way we look at disease or illness is different. And if someone comes to my office, for instance, I'm going to spend an hour to an hour and a half in the first visit because I need to hear their whole medical history, hear their lifestyle, their diet, uh, maybe what's going on psychologically so that I can get the whole picture. And so the difference is we look at the whole person and then we treat, we treat the whole body as a system knowing that the body works together that the cardiovascular system works with the hormonal system. And so we don't isolate. We treat everything by realizing that we have to know the whole history first. And because the body works together that way, so then in treating the person, we would start with the most non-toxic, natural, particularly, um, you know, maybe diet and lifestyle. So if someone comes and their lifestyle is the main obstacle to their health, then we're going to look at lifestyle. Like Maybe, not sleeping yeah, or eating like junk food? Yeah, hours of sleep and living on Twinkies. <laughs> so why would you give an herb or a drug when you really need to look at the person's lifestyle and the diet first? So we approach medicine in a hierarchy with actually herbs being further down towards drugs and looking at the basic foundation, which is nutrient therapy. If someone isn't getting their nutrients, they're never going to heal. And so um, that is really the basics of naturopathic medicine. It just makes so much sense. I guess what shocks me, Elizabeth, is the fact that more doctors, regular MDs, just more practitioners in general don't just do that. I mean, why is that strange in this healthcare society that we're in? Yeah, it's really interesting because my best friend is an ER doctor, and we have these conversations all the time. Um, And I've actually spent time with her in the ER, and she doesn't learn anything, anything of what I've learned. It's almost like we're from two completely different professions, and yet we're both doctors. Hmm. So it's really um, when all you have learned is drugs, which is your only tool, that's all, that's all you know. And unless an MD goes and studies on his own, most schools up until now haven't been trained in nutrition at all. So it's kind of like... Uh, um, that's just crazy to me. I just, I it's can't, more I mean, of a tertiary. Shocking. You know, I yeah. would say start with a naturopath. If you don't get better, then you need a stronger tool such as drug therapy. Yeah. Right, sure. So it's gotten backwards because people have forgotten how to live and maybe what your mother told you or your grandmother or these lifestyle, um, you know, things of, of our ancestors, we've all forgotten. And the doctors don't sit down and talk to people about that anymore. They don't have time. So we've become this very inefficient system. 
and it's all become kind of backwards and upside down. Yeah, well, now, is that because, I mean, my suspicion has been personally, and based on, I think, everything I've seen, and I, I haven't even seen, I'll just say that we're, we're recording this in a time frame where the, the movie Sicko has come out and is in the theaters, and so certainly that's very much on the national mind right now, not that it wasn't before, and whether you're a Michael Moore fan or not, I think that nobody can deny that we're in a healthcare crisis in this country, and, and it seems to me that that's just, you know, a lot of it has to do with the pharmaceutical companies, and, and you know, that it's just like the oil industry, where there's this lobby and there's this corporate profit greed is got to be driving this. I mean, I've been in the doc- you go in the doctor's office and you look. What's on the wall? What are the little knickknacks around their office? And I always notice that they've got pharmaceutical companies plastered all over them. Like these guys are, you know, giving them all these like gifts and perks. And I mean, not just things like obviously that we can see in the office. I'm sure there's, you know, golf vacations and whatever else that, you know, is going on. But I mean, that's my perspective. Is that valid in your view that that's what's driving that? Uh, that's where their education comes in. They, you know, their lunch hours are spent with pharmaceutical sales reps, and that's where they get a lot of their education. They don't have nutritional reps coming in or um, herb reps coming in to talk to them. So unfortunately, because they're very busy people, that's the bulk of the education they're getting. Okay, so 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 sort of continuing education, as it were, because obviously they get their you know a bulk of their education in in, in terms of their you know the schooling and then the, you know their working practice afterwards. Um, but uh, you're talking about sort of the ongoing education, right? Because you know you have to realize technology. You're in the computer field uh, for one, so you know how quickly technology is is changing, and it's the same in the medical field. I mean. Um, It's exciting in that way. So drugs are changing every day. And then in my field, amazing tests are coming out now for testing people's nutrients in their body down into the very cells. So to keep up on the technology in medicine right now, just to stay in your own field is pretty overwhelming. Well, that's for sure. You know, I'm, I'm curious about... Okay, if we, we just talk to the, the average Joe on the street right now, somebody who's listening to this podcast and saying, okay, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued and I want to learn more. What, what do you see as the, the most common things people are doing wrong that they can be doing to help aid their own healthy lifestyle and improve their health and avoid doctor visits or, or help to avoid them? Well, I would say uh, the most important thing that I'm seeing across the board is extreme nutrient deficiency. Mm-hmm. And even to the point where now I'm seeing it second generation, where I can go back in the lifestyle interview and hear it in the parents. So that's getting kind of scary. So what I would recommend for most people at this point is to really start looking at everything they put in their mouth. Uh, throwing away all packaged foods, even canned foods. I mean, we're finding out that even canned foods, the lining in a can of food is is a contaminant called bisphenol A, which has been showing to be showed to be very carcinogenic. And where is it found in highest concentrations? In infant formulas. Wow. They found it to be ten times the EPA amount in infant formulas. That's scary. So. Everything that you are putting in your mouth needs to be looked at nutritionally. So we want to go back to um, the 
highest nutritional value of everything we eat. So in terms of meats, buying only grass-fed, and why is that? Because we are a culture that has very, um, that's very low in omega fatty, fatty acids. Processed foods have trans fats. They have the wrong kind of fatty acids. So that's a huge em- epidemic in the society. Why are we getting the numbers of depression, of ADD in children? Um, because our brains are mostly fat, and the fats that we're putting into our body are negative, damaging, um, unsustaining fats. So the way you get good fats is eating foods that are not processed by eating real butter, by eating meats that are grass-fed from the pastures that are getting to move around by eating eggs uh, from free-range chickens, they actually have four times the amount of essential fatty acids. Oh, that makes me glad we put our chicken coop in. I know. I thought of you. (laughs) Yeah. So your kids are getting eggs that are very high in essential fatty acids. Then the body takes that and makes fat tissue, nervous tissue, and their brains are now forming with foods that will sustain the body system. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Now, so eggs being one source, and another source we hear about a lot is, you know, fish oils and cod liver oils and things like that with the omega, uh, the omega-3s and the omega-6 and omega-9. Can, can you talk about that? Because there's the mercury issue when you start talking about fish. Right. What's a safe way to get that? Is that good? And if so, for whom? Right. Yeah, that's very confusing. Well, there is a mercury issue, and um, so you want to eat the smaller fish, um, sardines, mackerel, salmon. Stay away from the bigger fish like uh, tuna, swordfish, things like that. Then in terms of um, children and pregnant women, really keeping fish to to a minimum, which is sad, even the wild fish. And unfortunately, because we live in that age of mercury, it, there's a lot of people who, can, who will not be able to get the amount of essential fatty acids, especially the omega-3s, which the omega-3s are the ones that are needed for brain development, for mm-hmm. learning, for um, behavior. So people need to take fish oil and cod liver oil. And cod liver is the one I recommend most because the other... major deficiency we're seeing throughout the United States is a vitamin D deficiency from people using sunscreen. Oh. So you absorb the vitamin D through your largest organ. Yeah, through your skin. And now children sit inside behind computers and aren't getting outside. And in the past year to two years, most of the testing I've done I see people uh, with barely any vitamin D at all in their bodies. So I'm recommending cod liver oil mostly to get your essential fatty acids. Flax oil, unfortunately, only 15% is converted to EPA and DHA. And, and doesn't flax oil, Craig, and you're the expert, not me, I'm just going off things I hear, which I know other people do too. Are there issues with uh, either men or women in regards to, or actually, I think it was with men in regards to prostate, potential prostate cancer complications with too much flax oil? Taking flax oil? Actually, not the flax oil. Uh, the flax oil does not c- contain the estrogen-like component. Okay. That's only flax seed. Flax seed, That's okay. an lignin. Got it. And actually, it's not so much of an issue. It's, you know, the, the estrogen 
the estrogen, the strength of that is hundreds of times weaker than an estrogen. Where you do have to worry about that is in plastics, in eating or drinking out of plastic bottles, um, in pesticides. A lot of the chemicals in our environment are endocrine disruptors, and they actually act like estrogens in the system. Mm. We just recently talked about the endocrine disruptors uh, on this show, actually, with, I I can't remember who the guest was, but real recently, so that seems to be a recurring uh, topic. That's one of the major things that I'm seeing in my practice is uh, chemical is environmental toxicity in people. What I'm hearing here, Elizabeth, is really just this return to what makes sense. I mean, none of this is really, I don't want to say it's, I mean, obviously what you're doing is very complicated and requires a lot of years of study, but really it comes back to just returning to natural way of living, and then there's all these benefits. I mean, of course, there's also things you have to watch out for, like you would think that eating fish would be safe, and yet, you know, it's not intuitively because of, I'm sure, what mankind has done. Um, but a lot of this just has to, to do with really just living in a, a more sensible way. I mean, you know, getting outside and getting sunshine and, you know, going for a walk and eating foods that haven't been processed or unnatural things like in plastic bottles or in cans, those aren't, those aren't natural things. So it's when we do that, it seems like that's when we're getting into trouble. I think it's getting away from the, the convenience foods. You know, with the Industrial Revolution, we've now swung to the extreme and I'm driving to L.A. tomorrow, and it always amazes me when you're on the road and you want to get some real food. Oh. It's all frankenfood. Oh, yeah. Mix, yeah it's fast scary. There's nothing, there is nothing that's real food when you're on the five. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, we, we drive to uh, Lake Tahoe a couple times a year, and... You know, I always try to sort of load up uh, before I go because there's a lot of temptation along the way. I mean, I get tempted. To, I love In-N-Out Burger. You know, and that's about <laughs> as good as it gets for fast food. Uh, it's a treat. And I think treats are okay once yeah. in a while as long as yeah. it's a treat. But, no, it's true. I mean, you know, I think that the first company that really comes out with, um, well, maybe it'll survive in California. I don't know about everywhere else. But, you know, re- really, if it's even possible to do it, fast food that's really healthy and truly uh, healthy, uh, I think they're going to do really well, but uh, maybe maybe that's just a fantasy at this point. I'd like to think that. I'll be yeah, a customer. I've been saying that for a while, too. Well, there's an idea for some entrepreneur. <laughs> right, whoever's out listening. There. Yeah. Um, well, before I even ask this question, I wanted to just dovetail on something you said, which I totally, you know, the, the plastic bottle thing, for so many reasons, you mentioned the, the health effects, you know, and there, there's a, a little known fact that I think it's 85, in this country, it might be 90%. It's either 80 or 90% of all plastic bottles don't get recycled. And so for that reason, on top of the health reasons for not using plastic bottles, very bad idea. And there is a, I'm going to give a plug here. There's only one company I know of. There may be more uh, that do this, but there's a company called SIG, S-I-G-G. I've never talked to them before. I don't know much about them, but I know they make these aluminum, single extruded aluminum bottles that are great. They're lined. They're zero leaching factor. You carry them around with you instead of carrying around plastic water bottles. So um, I just wanted to mention that as sort of a tip to people out there uh, yeah. to look into a product like that or you know another manufacturer. Um, so moving on from that, what do you see as the greatest dangers today to health in the work in your practice to the people that come into your office? Well, we talked a little bit on diet, so I think that's the main one. And just, again, for people to really just go back to the source as much as possible, which, you know, it requires slowing down, cooking your foods, um, you know. And so the reason I like that to start out with that is because... The second main problem I see is stress. 
also, if you have to come home and cook your food, you have to cook some brown rice. It's not five minutes. It takes 35 minutes. And you cook some free-range organic chicken and some broccoli. It requires us to just slow down and maybe sit sit down and eat. And so really getting back to unpackaged foods, getting away from the neurotoxins like the aspartame. I mean, I tell people in the first visit to cut all of that out of their diet. That's a, neuro, that's a neurotoxin? It's a neurotoxin. <laughs> it's, it's wow. It's a cytotoxin I, to the brain. So that would be, you know, things like NutraSweet and all the other products that contain aspartame? Right. Wow. All the uh, artificial sweeteners except for stevia. Okay. And all of those, too, again, are training your body to want sweet foods. Right. So... Again, you know, we have an epidemic in diabetes, and people want, you know, we have Starbucks on every corner, and everything is super sweet. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's all about habit. And so just starting to notice these things, and, okay, I don't have to have my food super sweet, and I'm going to sit down and eat, and I'm going to eat, I'm going to cook foods at home. Um, you never know in restaurants, you know, it's more about just kind of going back to maybe how we were raised or how our grandparents were raised. And so um, I think stress is the other huge problem. What about dehydration? Do you find that most people are chronically dehydrated? Um, I don't, you know, actually I would say people who come see me are already trying. You know, I don't get... Um, I don't get the fast food people typically who come to see me because they know they're going to have to give up their fast food. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm already Leave your getting... burger at the door. Yeah, you know, those people usually don't see a naturopath because they're not ready to make that kind of a change. Right. And um, huh. it wouldn't be very fun for them. So, <laughs> so I already see people who are, you know, they carry their water bottles with them, you know, but they're carrying their plastic water bottles. But that's a new thing, and we're learning that now. So I personally don't see that much that as an issue in oh, my practice. Okay, okay. But, but do you think that do you think that it is an issue in general? I think it's definitely an issue because I think people don't drink water. I think they drink everything but water. Soda and coffee and juice. So and coffee and juice and very sweet are, are dehydrating to the body. And that the problem with that is it contributes to toxicity because we need that water to flush toxins out of the body, and we're, we're so bombarded in our environment every day. I mean, just sitting in your room, if you have new carpeting and toxic paint, everywhere you go, you're bombarded with toxins now. And so you, other than foods, drinking lots of water, your body has to be working well so that it can be excreting and I think the thing to remember is that I'm not trying to scare anybody. If our bodies are working well and we're, we're taking in the nutrients we need and the good oils and drinking lots of water and, not, and sleeping and not being too stressed out, our bodies can handle these toxins um, for the most part. Um, it's just when our bodies become very stressed and deficient that then they can't excrete them and we start to become ill. All right, so it's about sort of being on your own team, as it were, and supporting yourself in every way possible so you can, your body can fight that fight. Yeah, yeah, and seeing that and saying, gosh, you know, I'm going to actually be a friend to my body and starting to, to look at that. I think the other thing is 
we've kind of been taught to be in resistance to our bodies, like the no pain, no gain. Hmm. And uh, yeah. I'm going to push my body to its limit. It's and, our culture. Yeah, it's this, this pushing culture, which that isn't how you get healthy, unfortunately. Yeah. And it's kind of a macho thing, but unfortunately, the, the most stressed out people then... At some point, I mean, I see a lot of that. They have to take maybe years off, um, and I've seen a couple lawyers like that who have to take years to get back, whereas, you know, if they had paced themselves and taken care of themselves, that wouldn't happen. Well, it's funny you said that because, you know, as you know, I practice martial arts and I teach martial arts, and, and so, you know, that's a very um, challenging, on, on purpose, it's part of the deal because you're challenging yourself, but it's for that reason that, that I support myself as much as possible with the food and supplement and sleep and especially sleep <laughs> and, and those things so that I can push myself harder, but to a, but still to a non-destructive place. I mean, one thing I learned from my teacher is who has pretty much a destroyed back and, you know, two knee surgeries is, is he said to me, listen, you know, take this far, you know, become a warrior, practice the martial arts, but don't take it to the point I took it because I destroyed my body. And that doesn't make any sense. That's not the point here. And, I mean, obviously that's one specific example, but I think we do that. And you point out the legal profession is a great high-stress environment to do that. You don't just have to do it physically. You can do it. Stress is one of the most, uh, as I have always heard it, and you've told me, one of the more damaging things that you can have in your body or do to your body is be stressed out. Yeah, I think that's great advice that your teacher gave you because I think it's, it, we can all be warriors. It's just being a, kind of a conscious warrior. Yeah, yeah, being a sane warrior. Yeah. <laughs> not an insane one. Um, you know, there was one thing I was remiss in not asking you earlier when we were talking about, you had mentioned about the omega fatty acids, and we were, you were talking about the sources, and I realized sometime after you, you were talking about it that, that where does that leave vegetarians and vegans, people who don't want to consume any animal products? Yeah, well, let me tell you this. I gave up meat at 14, and I didn't introduce it back into my diet until I was 39. Wow. So I was really unhealthy, and, that, and I became a naturopath at 36. Mm-hmm. And I've been very health conscious most of my life, so I really tried. I tried to be a vegetarian <laughs> as hard as I could, and I have to say that I... Um, it was really difficult for me to finally give that up and to realize that my body was so nutritionally deficient, plus the other problem with a lot of vegans and vegetarians is they develop a lot of food allergies. So I'm not saying this across the board, but I see, I definitely see it in practice is that it is difficult. It is very difficult in this day and age to be a vegetarian, one, if you eat fish, so if fish is your only source of meat and EPA and DHA, well, then you have a problem with mercury, mm-hmm. potentially. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of, in the past, a lot of vegetarians, including myself, what did they eat? They ate tuna fish. Right. Well, I've treated people for high mercury from eating tuna fish every single day. Mm. So it's very difficult for the vegan and vegetarian. And I would say it is possible, but you have to do it's. You have to work very hard at it. And the other thing, um, because I said flax oil does not convert to EPA and DHA, um, only 15% does. Also, planktons, a lot of vegans think you can, you can eat the greens like the spirulina, and those do have some, but it's not, 
to the same degree. So it's not sufficient for what so your body needs. It, it's it is difficult. You see a lot of B twelve deficiency, um, and they tend to eat a lot of grains. Um, and we're a culture that's very now people are finding that they're very allergic to grains. And then the other thing I just want to mention with that is just biochemical individuality. We're very different. Everyone has to listen to their own body. And for me, you know, I was one of those vegetarians that when no one was looking, I would eat a piece of a hot dog. Because <laughs> <laughs> you craved it? I did. I really craved it. And then I'd eat it and i think, what are you doing eating this? You're a vegetarian. But my body craved it so much. And so finally I just realized... I was not being a good doctor because I wasn't practicing what I preach, which is listen to your body. And as soon as I started to incorporate, um, I only eat, of course, at home, free-range meats um, and eggs. I have been healthier than I'd been my whole life. And I wow. suffered from pretty pretty severe immune problems. I was always sick. Um, I was... You can ask all my friends. My nose ran all the time. Mm-hmm. I just had chronic allergies. So it, so it's, you know, I'm not telling everyone, but it's, it's important that people listen to their own body. And some men, they just can't gain enough weight. They look extremely diet. haggard um, and deficient. On a on a vegan or vegetarian diet. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because that maps with my. I I actually want from an ethical standpoint. I want to be a vegetarian. I really do. But I feel horrible when I don't eat any kind of meat. Like I, I really minimize my red meat consumption because I I really think that that's important and because of the, in, the cattle industry and the effect on the environment. You know all of that. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm a big fan of. But but I mean just to really eliminate all meat. It's never really worked very well. And the people that I've known. I don't want to generalize too badly here. But I've known a few people that have been really strict vegetarians and they and they they look very sort of sallow they a lot of times and i'm sure it's they're, they're probably not it, it requires as you put it a lot of management and they really have to educate themselves and i think probably most people don't have time for that and so it's probably more easy to become deficient in certain nutrients on that type of diet and so it's not that that type of diet is bad in any way, just that it requires a greater level of, uh, I suppose, acumen and attention to detail yeah. uh, than a more mm-hmm. omnivore diet. Um, well, and it's, you know, it's cold here in the winter, and if you're eating all raw foods, it's very difficult on your digestive tract, um, and it's cold. So, again, you know, it's, you have to kind of get back to common sense. If you're cold... Your body doesn't want cold foods. Mm-hmm. It wants cooked, warming foods. So I think, um, you know, the, it's all, the, those are kind of dogmas. And you have to be afraid when it comes. I tell anyone, watch, be careful when you hear a dogma when it comes to nutrition. Because it's really about listening to your own body. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Well, Elizabeth, I could talk to you for hours about this stuff because I, I know I'm we fascinated. could go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll definitely we're out of time for today. But I would definitely love to have you back. Um, I also want to point out that you are one of our green gurus on the Green Living Ideas website and have penned an article on nature, uh, naturopathic medicine, which people can read. Please log onto the site, check it out, and uh, we look forward to more contributions from you, both written and verbal uh, and otherwise. You know, I don't know. Just to give you, I, I'd love to see a cookbook from you someday. 
I know you probably have nothing else to do, but I'd love to see like best practices in eating that you can sort of balance all these issues because I think that's really what it comes down to for people is, you know, what what are what are the guidelines that I can use to to eat in a healthy way for my myself and my family. So anyway, <laughs> well, I can make a little plug for that. There's um, the Weston Price Foundation. You can find them online, and you can they they have really great education on diet and nutrition. And there's a woman in the Bay Area who actually wrote a book based on Weston Price called The Full Moon Feast. Ah, okay, good information. So those are both. Uh, she also has a website, but um, there's a lot of great information there. And they both have uh, cookbooks, too. Well, thank you for that tip and that reference. And Elizabeth Large, naturopathic doctor, has been my guest today. Her company is Luna Medicine, which you can find online at www.lunamedicine.com. Elizabeth, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks so much for being here. You too, Sean. It was great. Yeah. Bye-bye. Thanks, as always, to everyone listening in today. Remember, for more free on-demand podcasts, articles, videos, and other information related to living a greener lifestyle, visit our website at www.greenlivingideas.com. We'd also love to hear your comments, feedback, and questions. Send us an email at editors at greenlivingideas.com. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.